pause for thought and join in the barking with Darren Rowe on The Mindful Dog. So welcome to The Mindful Dog. It's the 21st of February 2021. And today you can join me with Wilhelmina Strimpton on the Sunday Cafe Magic Talk. Today we're going to be looking at how your personality may affect your dog's personality or how your dog's personality may affect yours. Right now joining me is Darren Rowe, our dog behaviourist and resident canine expert. Welcome to the show this morning and how are you? I'm, I'm great, Wilhelmina. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Nice to chat to you again. I think the last time we spoke was, I, I'm, if, if my memory served me correctly, Halloween last year when I covered for Carly. I think it was in October, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, that's right. So it's been a few months now. I hope you had a good summer and a good Christmas and back right into it. So right, it didn't actually stop. <laughs> it just kept going, I think. Oh, I know. It sounds. I think everyone was a bit like that with 2020, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Right. So today we, you know, everyone has always talked about how dogs often look like their owners, but there's new research that suggests otherwise, and that our personalities are actually intertwined. Yeah, and it's not that far fetched, really, if we think about it, because we spend probably quite a lot of our time with our dogs, and uh, the idea that maybe some of our personality traits rub off on our dogs. <laughs> It's quite not that far-fetched, I don't think. And um, if we think about it um, from a development perspective, our, if we've got children, our children develop their personalities a little bit of, um, what's it, nature and nurture, isn't it? So they develop their personalities depending on the way that we bring them up. Um, and that's all set really early on, isn't it? In the first three years, I'm sure there are um, child behaviours that can uh, correct me on that one, but I think it's the first three years. Um, so dogs are the same. So in that first socialisation period, three, three to 16 weeks to 18 weeks, um, that's when their personality starts to develop and that's where we have the biggest effect on them. It's quite interesting, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Are there sort of different personality types? Because I, I know we covered this last year when I when I spoke to you and that I am admittedly, I hate to admit it right now, but I am a cat person. I'm a cat owner, but I have lots of friends who have lovely dogs. Um, and I can tell in my own cat that she definitely has her own type of personality. She's a bit of a sass queen, but sassy. <laughs> um, do dogs have different types of personalities just like humans? You know, some people are more introverted. Are there dogs that are more extroverted? How does it all yeah, work? Yeah, definitely. Um, when you mean by sassy, do you mean she sticks her claws in you? <laughs> she just has such an attitude. She thinks I think she thinks she rules the roast pretty much. Uh, she is I'm, the queen I'm, of our house. I'm sure most cats are like that. In my experience. <laughs> yeah, we've very true. Very true. We've got, we've got two, and they're certainly like that. Um, yeah, there, there are, and, and just broadly speaking, there's about five sort of personality traits for for people generally um, and we've got that neuroticism so that's that sort of person that's likely to see the fear side of things and, and be quite anxious and and, and we, we kind of move through some of these things so we're not set in stone so we can be one more than um, the other sometimes that makes sense and then you've got that extroversion so that's people like really out there um, I guess I guess yourself and uh, anyone on the radio has got to be a little bit extroverted to to talk to the uh, to the nation and then you've got that conscientious person that's um, really hard-working um, just gets down and gets on with it and doesn't care about praise, external praise, that sort of stuff. Um, the uh, agreeable person, yep, I'll do that. <laughs> yep, <laughs> certainly people like that. You know, suddenly realise their workload's completely stressed out. Um, and then you have got the openness, and they're the they're the innovators, the creative people, the ones that uh, go off on tangents, and nobody really understands them. And what they found was that they did a study of um, this is um, I think it was. Um, European University, I can't remember, um, Budapest, I think it might have been, I might be wrong on that one. Um, and they did a study where they asked the um, guardians, the owners of the dogs, lots of different questions about their own personality. And then through sort of very clever questioning, they, they 
um, kind of organized and worked out what the personality of the dog would be. And they found that those five traits were um, mirrored between the owners and the dogs quite, quite highly, um, which is really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, remember, everyone, you can get your questions into Darren this morning. Uh, You can text in on 3920, or better yet, give us a call on 0800 844 747. Now, you talk about dogs mirroring owners' emotions. Do you think it's more of that, or are they really developing their own personality? Yeah, um, I think think it's a combination that, um, that goes on. I think if we take it back a step even before that, I think we choose a dog based on our own personality. And us, we, uh, me and Roman have spoken a lot about well, what, how do you know what dog to choose? And it's all about, we talk about lifestyle. But actually, if we were to really break it down into its small bits, it's actually about our personality because our personality defines what our lifestyle is, doesn't it? So, so if I'm quite an outgoing, extroverted person, I don't really want to get a dog that's very introverted. Um, that's not going to work. A dog just wants to sit on the sofa all day. So, so I've got um, too many dogs, probably. I've got um, <laughs> five border collies and three Irish setters. Wow! Irish, Irish setters, full house. Known, a full house, totally. Yep. Yeah. Irish setters are known for being quite uh, um, crazy, uh, running around dogs. Um, very high energy dogs. Also pretty calm after it, but they do have their moments. And and border collies, obviously, um, they're the the real high energy. Um, adrenaline junkie dogs aren't they so i'm not quite sure how that reflects my personality i guess i'm quite sort of outgoing as well um and a bit wired sometimes <laughs> definitely on the radio so um <laughs> so that probably reflects that i guess um but if i'm choosing a dog and i'm i'm, I'm one that, you know i'm just just not that type of person that wants to be out there doing loads of things all the time and i, I really don't want to go picking a border collie i guess so we tend to choose the dog um, that fits our personality without even realising and that's been scientifically proven that when we go and look for puppies we, we gravitate to the dog that best fits our, our lifestyle, our personality the one that's jumping up all over me is the extrovert I'm going to go for that every time but the one that sits in the corner that's not something I'm going to go for <laughs> Because it is quite a social thing isn't it? I mean it makes sense to pick a dog that's kind of an extension of your personality. Like I say I'm not a dog owner but a lot of my friends do have dogs and going out for walks with them it's such an eye-opening activity for me because it's it's this beautiful icebreaker people just come mm. up to you and talk to you and want to pat your dog and there's you know conversation exchanged about how old your dog is and and where you got them from and I, I mean I guess it is really really important to get one who is an extension with you imagine being <laughs> this yeah like you say a super extrovert and then your dog is just a, a shy nervous yeah, and, and that's where a lot of the behavioural issues um, come from because um, we're, we're their role models. And uh, if you've got a dog that is very introverted and you're very extroverted, shall we say, then those 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 two things don't really fit together. So your dog can get quite nervous and anxious about the whole interaction. Um, we don't always then spot the calming signals. Um, there was a um, just a sort of bit of thing that's been going on this week or last week, um, a young little child that was attacked in Taranaki. Um, Again, that would be because we don't understand the way the dogs communicate with us and, and holding on to a dog's not a good thing, um, can scare them. And, and that might have been a very sort of fearful, um, neurotic dog and possibly a mismatch in the in the family. So we've really got to take this seriously that when we look for a dog, we've got to make sure that it does fit our personality because otherwise some of the situations that can happen can be quite bad. Um, if you've got a, a very introverted dog and you're quite extroverted and you just bend over the dog um, to go and say hello and stick your hand near, near its mouth, it's possibly likely to bite you. Mm, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So yeah, definitely. We've got Susan on the line. Susan, what kind of personality does your dog have? Um, I have two Maltese dogs. Um, they're brother and sister and they actually are quite 
different in personalities, but um, they're quite clingy to us. Okay. So my problem is that I have a brother and sister, Maltese, 12-year-old. The male, they both sleep with us on our bed. The male has just started waking us at night by walking all over us, panting, scratching. If we put him on the floor, he'll just scratch at the carpet. Um, if we try to remove it because he's keeping us awake, mm. he'll just cry. <clears throat> um, what is happening? So so he's getting to that age, isn't it, where he's now that um, senior dog. It could be um, that he needs a loo. It could be something as simple as that. Um, it might be that there's something going on internally that you might want to check. Um, the panting, for me, is sort of bringing alarm bells. I, have you had him checked at the vets? Just as a general uh, Yeah. Yes, yes, he does. He does have general checkups. I mean, during the day, he's fine. He's, he's, he won't leave. He's started to just follow me around the house and won't sort of yeah. leave me alone. See, that's a bit of a warning sign for me as well. Um, normally, if a dog if a dog hasn't been doing that and suddenly they just can't deal with the world unless you're there, that's telling me that yes. there's possibly stress signs going on that there might and that might be from internal problems. I would definitely go and get him checked with the vets now, just just to rule that one out. Otherwise, um, we're starting to get that sort of twelve-year-old, um, possibly a bit of dementia coming in there, maybe. Um, so that they okay. wake up and they don't know where they are. We've we've got we've got a fifteen year old border collie and a border collie's lived forever, um, but she's now starting. To, if she wakes up, she just barks. She doesn't know where she is. She's she's lost her sort of sense of um, where she is. So it might be a little bit of that creeping in. Without seeing the dog, okay. it's a little bit hard. Um, you could think about putting him in the crate, maybe. But at twelve years old, if you've never done that, that's going to be quite hard to to pull those um, apron strings away if they've been sleeping on the bed. But I would definitely rule out the vet one first, just to make sure. Okay. Yeah. Thank so, you very much. Some really good advice there, nice. Darren. Welcome back. Coming up at 9.30, we'll be joined by Stephen McIver to chat about the Prada Cup. But before then, welcome back to Darren Rowe, our resident dog behaviourist and canine expert. Remember to get all of your questions in by texting us on 3920 or calling in on 0800 844 744. So looking at the text machine at the moment, it's a little quiet, so make sure you get those questions in. But we do have one question uh, here, Darren, from Patricia. She says, she was in Wanaka at her daughter's. She's bought a Cavalier King Charles Cross, born October 2019. And the issue that they have is he's continually chasing shadows, leaping up the wall, up doors, anywhere. He barks and really gets beside himself. Are you able to give Patricia any help here? Yeah, that's a that's a really hard one. That's a, a, like a almost obsessive disorder. Um, and it's quite common with, with dogs. Um, one thing I would really uh, sort of say to people outside, um, and I'll, I'll address that in a second, but, um, you know, there's laser pointers that we tend to use for cats to play. Please, please, please don't use those sort of things because it, 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 it kind of wires the brain um, to chase. And that's one of the instincts that you kind of don't really want a dog to, to, to bring out and it can drive them crazy. So, so that's the kind of same sort of thing. And I see that a lot with people, unfortunately. So, so the chasing the shadows, the only way you can really deal with that is to break the habit um, and you literally have to catch them in the action, hold the collar, hold them still and, and break the, the, the routine of doing it because it's, it's like a self-rewarding behaviour. They do it, they get a reward, they do it, they get a dopamine hit and then before you know, suddenly that's the behaviour that they want to do all the time. So you've literally got to stop them then redirect into something else, maybe a toy or a treat or something like that, but it can take a long time to solve that one. 
and it's so ingrained. Yeah. It must be really Not distressing good. for some dog owners when you do come across a problem like this. And obviously <clears throat> dogs, animals, you know, cats, we they can't communicate it to you. Where do you kind of start when you do have an issue like this? Is it kind of a process of elimination? It is a little bit, yeah. I'm, uh, probably about 10, 15 years ago, I realised that there was, a, and I'm going back to what we said before, that there was an emotional link between owners. And, and it's something that, yeah, we, we just take for granted. But if you actually really think about it, the, our emotional state does affect the dog's emotional state and vice versa. So when I am when I go into a consultation, if I see a dog that's completely fearful, really stressed, and that sort of thing, I'm actually looking at the owner as well um, because there's got to be some part that's happening with the owner. So so I do a lot of sort of questioning, and, and it's amazing what people tell you when you're, when you're doing consultations with dogs, a bit like being a hairdresser, I guess. Um, but it, I find all the information, all the background, the whole... Um, uh, what's happening in the family, uh, someone may have died recently, all that kind of thing, and that will have a massive effect on your dog. So sometimes working with the owner and getting them to talk about their problems, actually, I get the dog suddenly go, oh, <laughs> sigh of relief, and, and, and then the dog behaviour changes sometimes, maybe not quite that way, but you know what I mean? Um, they're definitely linked together, and, and there's been studies to show that if you're really stressed out, then your dog's cortisol levels, which is that stress hormone, um, actually are elevated as well. So yeah, it's quite quite amazing the effects that we have on our dogs. We don't really um, how our behaviour affects the dog's behaviour. It's incredible to think just how intuitive they are. You know, uh, you hear about people who are going through a really rough time, they're really, really sad, and the dog just knows, you know, and immediately yeah. they're there to comfort people. It's it's just it's just incredible. It is amazing, and, and you've got to remember that dogs have been um, domesticated. They, they chose to domesticate with us because of a common goal, and they could get food and, and um, they could protect us, yeah? So that's kind of like very short and narrow of it but um they chose to be with us so they they watch us all the time they've, they've co-evolved with us even and some of their systems have, have evolved um totally separate to the wolves and those kind of things to to fit in with human society um so if you think about our dogs they they can smell uh, well covid19 for one they can smell now um, they're using those to detect the dogs they can smell cancer cells they can um, detect whether your sugar levels your insulin levels are dropping so so they understand with their with their nose probably more than anything they understand exactly what's going on in your emotional and physical state so when your stress hormones start to rise they can pick it up they can pick up the pheromones so yeah so they, they really understand us probably more than we understand ourselves i guess <laughs> it's like yeah. our little in-home yeah. therapist mm. almost yeah definitely yeah now remember if you have any uh dog related queries questions ponderings give us a text on 3920 darren is here up until 9 30 the next eight minutes to take all of your calls and questions or better yet we'd love to hear your voice 0800 844 747 don't worry we don't bite no pun intended there. <laughs> a bark may be worse than our bite. Um, going back to dogs' personalities, um, can a dog's personality actually influence a person's personality? <laughs> um, if you look at me, you'd probably say so. <laughs> um, definitely, um, again, going out to people's houses, I see. Um, I quite often see the same dog every couple of years sometimes. It works out that way, yeah. And... Um, the first time I'll see a, a dog owner, they're, they're pretty go happy-go-lucky. They're just doing that basic training for their dogs. And, you know, they're, they're both pretty relaxed, and, and that's the way it goes. Uh, and then maybe, oh, maybe when the dog's about a year, two years, there'll be a traumatic incident that the dog's had, or the owner's had. And then when I come out and see them, it's very different, and the owner's stressed out, and the dog's stressed out. And I think what happens is when a dog has a, um, a, a 
massive traumatic experience in its life, like it may have been attacked in the dog park by some other dog, or I don't know, it might just got scared because a car nearly hit it, something like that. Then what happens is that dog starts to change its behavior and it becomes quite fearful. It starts pacing, it starts panting, it starts destroying the place. And an owner's... Um, because we associate our dogs like babies, I guess, uh, we try and do the best for our dogs and we want to help them. And when we can't help them, we feel quite vulnerable, we feel quite useless. And then we get anxious because we're not being able to deal with the situation. So that changes our um, personality, or not personality, but changes the way that we deal with things. So we become quite anxious around our dogs. And you've heard the person that, you know, they used to walk their dog during the day lovely and really enjoy it and then something happened and then slowly now they're walking the dogs at two in the morning <laughs> so the whole lifestyle changes because of a dog so yeah certainly it can change a person completely <laughs> mm, mm, it's just amazing how intertwined we are mm. we've got a text here from jackie she says hi darren my 12 year old foxy jack went to kennels for the first time ever for six days since then, his bark is now more of a squeak. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> I think he barked so much that something's happened to his vocal cords. The vet says he's otherwise fit and healthy. Is this your domain? I feel terrible um, for him, says Jackie. Yeah, it's it's certainly something that there's, there's a few things that I would be weary of here, first of all. Um, if he's a normal barker, so he barks lots anyway, then he's probably just lost and strained his vocal cords. Okay, so Happens to um, the best of us. It certainly does, yeah. <laughs> and, and because in the kennel there'll be lots of dogs barking probably all the time, he'll just be joining with the whole conversation. Um, and, and that could happen. The other thing to think about, though, and this is down to trust with the kennels, and I, I don't know the kennels you're at, but some kennels don't like dogs barking. So they use collars, e-collars, electric collars. So just, just be careful because it could be that they've had an electric collar on, they've been shocked. And I know that's something that we should never be using. I certainly don't advocate it, but I know it does happen in kennels, unfortunately. So that could be something to do with that as well. So just, just be a bit careful on that one. What I would say is, um, I would say keeping quiet is probably not going to be hard, but that's, that does happen. You know, it does happen, but it will get better and better. And that, then it'll be fine. That's horrible. I didn't know about the, the e-collars. <coughs> is that something that kennels should have to disclose? Or should people um, who are taking their dogs there just know to ask the right questions when they check them in? Well, you need to ask the questions. But with you'll get the answers is another question. Um, I don't think, as far as I'm aware, there's any regulations out there for kennels um, or daycares. So, um, yeah, it's you're putting a lot of trust in the people that you give your dogs to. And um, whenever I go to a daycare or a dog or dog kennels, I want to see the kennels. I go and talk to the people. I want to meet the staff that are looking after my dogs and then make my own judgment based on that. Absolutely. You'd be so concerned yeah. about, you know, cowboy operators out there and, and the welfare of your dogs. I know there are some brilliant, brilliant ones. A couple of my <coughs> friends ones, yeah. um, have taken their dogs to these particular kennels when they're away on holiday and they send them updates. And if the dog's mm. birthday is during the time that they're staying there, they have a wee birthday party for them and they get so picture cool. updates and it's, uh, it all seems very well run. But um, that's really interesting to know that yeah. there's sort of no regulations around that. Mm. Um, especially if the, if the company or the kennels is um, posting on Facebook and Instagram regularly, that's that's a good sign because they're being very transparent and that's really what we're looking at, isn't it? If they've got videos of a daycare, even better because then you can see you know, in real time what's happening with your dog. Mm, I guess that's the, the, the real, yeah. real way to kind of vet someone in this day and yeah. age is through social media, it is, yeah. word of mouth, <laughs> Google reviews, that type of thing. So I guess, yeah, do your research for sure. Pretty much. We have a question here from Angela. She says, hi, Darren, I have a border collie. She's two. And yes, like the King Charles, she chases shadows, but she also runs and runs around the house. We put her in a cage or kennel to <laughs> calm her down and quiet time, but it doesn't take long for her to run or chase. What can we do? 
Oh, gosh. Um, border Collies, I've got five of them, like I said. Um, look, Border Collies can be, they are so, they can be so highly strung and they're so high energies. Um, I don't know how much exercise you're giving this little one, but there's no way you're going to exercise a Border Collie enough to tire them out. So you've got to stimulate their mind. Um, the Chasing Shadows is, is very typical for Border Collies, unfortunately. It's the one of the dogs, because they're that quite high drive, high anxious dogs, they're quite prone to those um, sort of behaviours, those um, erratic behaviours. One thing I would do is um, we do a lot of tuggy play and you have to do the right rules. So it's not about you being the boss or anything like that. You're just getting the dog to enjoy. In fact, you're being the prey more than the predator, I guess. Um, but that tuggy stuff is about building a relationship with your dog. And that's actually a really motivational mental sort of stimulation. It, it sort of does that predator-prey drive. So the chase um, gets put into something more appropriate as opposed to just tearing around the house. Um, the other thing is on a lead just put her on a lead and keep her with you and promote that being with you and being calm and lying down is the best thing in the world don't be um uh miserly with the treats give her lots of treats when she sat with you make it a positive place for her and she'll she'll start to do that sort of thing as well at the end of the day the communication between you isn't right she doesn't understand what you want so she'll make it up <laughs> that's border collies for you <laughs> Um, I love this next text. Um, it looks as though it's a text from a Jack Russell themselves. My Ooh. name is Bosun, and I'm a 10-week-old Jack Russell. But I'm very bitey to mum and dad. How do I become a better dog? No bitey. <laughs> so uh, Jack Russell's are very clever, so it doesn't surprise me they're texting already. Um, <laughs> very upskilled the, these days. Very important. Probably eating the phone as well at the same time. Um, so, so between um, the, the 3 and 12 weeks, um, that bite... Biting is something a dog has to do, so it's um it's called the the biting phase effectively, and they're learning the how what pressure they can use for their teeth. Now, Jack Russells, as we all know, are hunters and they're damn good hunters, so they are very bitey anyway. Generally speaking, what you need to be doing is just teaching your dog that your hands are not appropriate um things to bite basically. So so one of the things I tell our puppy preschool um uh, owners is that when we feed our dog, if you think about it, when we hold a, a treat between our finger and our thumb and we give it to a dog, they always bite our fingers and when they take a treat. So we're actually teaching our dog that biting our hands is okay. So one of the things that we always do is make sure when you're treating your dog at this age, a flat hand, and then you'll find they'll lick your hands. So they're, they're learning very quickly that hands are for licking, not for biting. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is as soon as they go into that crazy phase and start biting, then grab a toy quickly, especially with Jack Russell, stuff it near them, you know, and they'll grab it and then redirect that, that aggression or whatever you want to call it into something more appropriate. Very good yep, advice. Done. Should, be done, should be done in a couple of weeks, should be finished. Yep. Definitely don't want to lose any digits in the process. No, so very good not. advice. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much for that, Darren. For anyone with any further questions, um, how can they get in touch with you with their queries? Yeah, you can find me on social media. Just type in Mindfulness for Dogs. Remember, it's with the number four. Or you can um, find me on um, www.mindfulnessfordogs.com or give me a ring anytime. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Enjoy that sunshine. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And we will, will talk to you next week. Been a pleasure. You've been listening to Darren Rowe on The Mindful Dog, giving our canine friends a voice throughout the world. To find out more about what we do, visit our website at www.mindfulnessfordogs.com.